Extra, extra, read all about it. This is TFG Unbuttoned. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. An off-the-cuff take on politics, pop culture, and current events. Welcome to TFG Unbuttoned. John Nash here with my good friend and co-host Tim Bennett. Find us on Tuesdays and look for the Focus Group on Wednesdays. That would be the video version of our show. It drops on Facebook and YouTube at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And all our audio and videos available at focusgroupradio.com. While you're there, please check out Critics' Choice Video, America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987. They're a partner of ours here on the program. And I want to remind our listeners that September is Criterion Collection Month, and I have a whole bunch of movies to give away. So in September, we'll be playing the game Pick That Flick, where I play an audio clue. If you know the name of the movie it came from, you send it in to our letters at focusgroupradio.com mailbox, and uh, you might be one of the lucky winners. It's a fun time. We give away a lot of them. I think we have, yeah, we have a good amount of movies to give away. <laughs> so welcome to the official last week of august as we slide into labor day um and it's been such an odd summer i mean odd in the sense that uh it was super wet at the start and then it just went dry (laughs) yeah i mean it's probably same down by you right yeah the other thing i noticed this week which uh every because everyone marks labor day as the official end of summer although it's not until what the end of september yeah correct. but uh i noticed this past week uh waking up that all of a sudden it's dark and it happened in like two days (laughs) that's weird <laughs> well no you noticed in two days bob did the exact same thing you did he looked out the window the other day he says oh it's dark now i said and in about you know 10 weeks or something it's going to be the shortest day of the year and he's like wow you know it, but the longest day is in june right but i know so, but, I, I, no, but it was funny because i noticed and but when i go you know you go further toward if i'm in ohio in october for instance because they're still in the eastern time zone um they still it's still light um or it feels like it's still lighter. I don't know. I'm, I'm saying it wrong. But anyway, I I noticed that it got dark. I and mean, it must be a coastal thing. That yeah, it well, yeah. Quick. No, that's the, uh, you know, the sun setting earlier and earlier. And um, we noticed it. later. <laughs> no, I think it's it's just the days are shortening up. And we're going to have, when does uh, daylight savings kick in? I think it's now beginning of November. Like they moved that date. But um, we also noticed that uh, there are tons of trees that are already turning. Yeah, they said that the fall is not going to be nice. They're, they're, mm-hmm. They've talked about it in Philly because of the uh, lack of water. Yeah, yeah. It's just going to be, the trees are going to go early and there's going to be no peak. You know, I just suspect it's going to be glide into fall. But I do remember years and years and years ago when we used to do a summer share out in Fire Island, we had a friend named Craig one, and we had one of those super dry summers. It wasn't drought, it was just dry. And we're walking to uh, to get like, to the liquor store or something and, and i'm like well you know it's we haven't had any rain and he just looks around and he, the sun's bright the sky's blue he goes you know i don't say no to a dry summer because there's no rain yeah <laughs> so daylight, sa- daylight savings times november 6th okay it's early november very early yeah. okay i thought it was usually october i don't know i'm losing i i, I get confused i know they want to change it right or there's somebody wants to not there's a they big just want to do away with it, it period yeah right. they, they would like to do away with it which it always throws me for at least a week loop in either direction. So the first time when we, when we, uh, what is it? Uh, spring ahead, fall back, fall back. So you'll gain yes. an hour. You'll be delighted. Uh, yeah, I guess I am. I mean, it does screw up my sleep for a while and then I just get kind of back to normal. So do you sleep the same amount every night? 
Yeah, usually about, you know, that's another thing. Remember a week or two ago, we talked about my my uh, mother's husband giving me that Apple watch. Right. So I don't wear it all the time, but I do wear it when I do some fitness stuff. And I sometimes wear it at night because it tracks your sleep. It, it actually does, it collects data. And the more interesting data points I found was my respiration, heart rate, and the hours I sleep. So for the amount of time I keep the watch on, if I ever go to sleep at night, my average night is about seven and a half hours. How, how does it know that? That is the <laughs> that is the question of the day. So I stare at the screen. I'm like, how does it know that I went to bed at like 11 and I got up at seven or I went to the bathroom at a certain time? I think it just monitors motion. You know, if, so if your arm, like if the arm you're wearing the watch and if it's not moving, I guess it maybe kicks in and says, okay, it's you're asleep. And then it obviously is sensing your oxygenation, your blood oxygenation, and uh, your respiration, and your your resting heart rate, and all that. And it's really interesting. It's uh, you know, on average, you, what, what time do you get up on average? Oh, six thirty, six thirty, seven o'clock latest. Yeah. I'm up at six thirty usually, and then I kind of like lay there for fifteen minutes, and I got out of bed. <laughs> so. Yeah, I still get up at five, five thirty. Mm-hmm. You know, I got up at five again today. I I, don't, I just, but I go to bed early too. I go to bed at. 10. 10, 9.30, 10 o'clock. You should just get go to bed at like, you know, do, do, do the Tim Cook, get to bed at like 8 and get up at 3, and then you have your private time from 3 to 5. Or Martha Stewart. <laughs> Martha Stewart did the same thing. She only sleeps three hours, Martha Stewart says. In a bariatric chamber, no less, you know, right? Who knows what she does. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks, here on TFGM Button, we usually cover three stories um, that are of interest to us and we think of interest to you. And the first one we have comes to us from Nebraska. And the headline reads, Nebraska school officials close newspaper after LGBTQ issue. Headline is a little bit misleading, in my opinion. It comes to us from the Associated Press. And when they say LGBTQ issue, what they actually mean is there was an article about Gay Pride Month and an editorial about Florida's family, whatever that law is, but the don't say gay law. And the, uh, the officials in the district that oversee, and this, this comes to us from uh, Nebraska, the student paper, the Grand Island Independent reported, the student paper came out in June and it included an article, as I said, on Pride and Prejudice and uh, a look at homophobia and also this don't say gay thing. But the officials that oversee, you know, you have student advisors and teachers that overlook the student paper. This went all the way up at the chain to the school board. And suddenly, after years of being, you know, uh, you know, 54-year uh, publishing history of this school newspaper, it was decided that the paper just is not going to exist anymore. <laughs> and it's clearly because they decided to do an article about Gay Pride Month and an editorial about the Don't Say Gay thing. And so, you know, it's like a very, and here in the article it says, it sounds like a ham-fisted attempt to censor students and discriminate based on disagreement with perspectives and articles that were featured in the student newspaper. And, you know, you read the article and it's like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And the thing that I just kind of just, I just smile at this stuff is everybody that does this with physical media, like a school paper, first you're teaching the kids how to do reporting, how to write, how to edit, how to follow a deadline, how to, you know what I mean? There's a whole bunch of skills associated with putting the paper out. But it's not like the internet doesn't exist. So, so if you, you get rid of the student paper because there's an article, a, a student wrote an article about the importance of Pride Month, 
it's not like the kids can't go online to find this out themselves, right? Yeah, no, it, it, it takes away from the whole idea of a free and independent press, which mm-hmm. in democracies is necessary. It, it, um, but they came right out. They were asked why um, the saga was the name of the school paper was closed. And the school board and superintendent said they were unhappy with the last issue's editorial content. And they said they were also reprimanded, the staff and uh, the newspaper was reprimanded a month earlier because they published one student's preferred pronouns. And uh, that student also um, was shocked to see in the next article that uh, she had written that the pronouns had changed and said, you know, I just realized now there's a re- they don't want me here. And uh, at the school, essentially, is, uh, is how they looked at it. And I looked at this and thought, similarly to you, I thought if this had happened to us during high school, what do you think would have happened? Well, the kids would have had a whole back channel going on, right? Well, I said, you know, that, that was exactly my thought. What's going to happen here is my guess is there'll be some underground paper will emerge, which will be far used for this, you know, far worse for the school system. And so the students will just, you know, pick up the gauntlet and publish with no guardrails. That, that's what we would have done, right? We would have mm-hmm. yeah. put out, okay, now you want a paper? We'll give you a paper. <laughs> and, then, and then really go down the road with it. But this is the sort of thing. And I, and I thought about this, too. Again, we were in high school a long time ago. But I can't imagine a parent, I don't know, maybe our, our parents were all involved in the school systems, but can you imagine if there was something in the school newspaper someone didn't like that they would shut the paper down? I, I don't know. I, I, um, I, I find the whole thing disturbing. It's, it's totally fear-based, right? Like fear that the board's going to get attacked by angry parents, fear of pain, like fear, 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 fear. And at the same time, it's like putting your head in the sand. It's 2022. We've had multiple decades of gay representation, LGBTQ representation in popular media, in movies, and TV shows, and books. This debate's been raging for a while, and it's not a debate that the LGBTQ community started. It's all the pushback from everybody who doesn't want to doesn't want to open their eyes to the reality of the human species that we exist. It's not a choice. You know, I, I just, <laughs> and if the kids want to write about it, that doesn't mean that they're going to, you know, it's, it's kind of like um, recently I read an article where Tucker Carlson, you know, well, dare we say his name, said something on air about the Biden administration putting chemicals in water to turn people trans, you know. To, to it's in the milk, trans. cow milk, and cow milk. I don't know how you get from a country that was able to put a man on the moon with the computing power of a pocket calculator at the time, when you think about it, right? I mean, to think about the achievement of that, and, and to a point where we have this on-air host talking about some broad, kind of weird, <laughs> and then you have this, this little newspaper in a Nebraska high school that simply published an article about Gay Pride Month, which was happening in June, and an editorial about the Don't Say Gay Bill, which is something that a, t- a student can have an opinion on. It's not their state, but yeah, it's just it just... They, well, they you all. Know, they, they, you know, I, I was happy to see it happen in Nebraska, only because it does show that um, these issues are throughout the country. They're not coastal issues. No, it's true. And you know, the the person at the school board that said, "Oh, for you know, if if a taxpayer saw what was going on here, they'd want to know what's happening in our school if they had read this issue of Saga." And again, I thought, what is the fear? I don't understand the fear of this, and that's what you were going to as well. There's this fear. Of, I, I don't know what. Had they not said a thing about this, the paper would have done the next issue. No one would have said a thing. This, that is exactly what I thought when I got to the end of this article. I thought if they did nothing, 
it would have been an end of the year issue or or maybe one more issue came out have have a great summer everybody and it would be done and yep. the, but this is the corporate mindset there's to, and you and I come from this from a uh, uh, PR point of view there would have been two points of view at the corporate boardroom it would have been intervention immediately we're going to cease publication we don't we don't want to cause a hornet's nest to be erupted because of this or you would have had voices in the room that said Let's just see what happens. Yeah, it may be three, see what happens. It, it may be three people that raise their hand and complain compared to the three million who thought it was fine. You know, and and I think I have seen more often than not the second point of view, at least for this kind of thing in corporate America, take the the lead, which is see what happens. We'll figure figure it out later because you spent money. Da, 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 da. So, yeah, sorry about that, kids. Extra, extra. Don't read all about it. Should have been the way I started the show. All right. So our next. Um, piece comes to us from California, uh, clearly in the bullseye for climate change and for resource management, especially when it comes to water. And I thought this was kind of fascinating because I've seen bits and pieces of things going on out in California, like painting the roads with the new reflective paint that actually reduces the uh, temperature of the asphalt by 10 degrees. And you do that for the miles and miles and miles of roads in LA, and you actually start reducing the temperature of the city. This, though, is different. Um, the headline reads, California to install solar panels over canals to fight drought, a first in the U.S. So there's a whole network of canals that serve a lot of the agricultural interests in California. And what scientists have noted over the years is being that they are open, meaning it's just a canal, it invites evaporation primarily and also other plants can grow along the edges of the canal, et cetera. So it kind of saps the water that way. So they're building a, um, it's a $20 million, $20 million pilot project funded by the states called Project Nexus. It's an 8,500 foot long series of solar panels installed over three sections of something called the Turlock Irrigation District Canals. And these panels will cover the, the water so they're going to protect it from evaporation while they generate electricity. I think this is the kind of thing that's brilliant to me. It's like when you see a parking lot, like if you're in um, Nevada, let's say, and you go to a Target and, and the parking lot has all these solar things that are actually shading your car. You're like, wow, I can park in the shade, but they're generating electricity. So this is just a smart experiment to me. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I, I thought the one data point as well they said that there were approximately four thousand miles of public water delivery infrastructure in the state and if they did this you know if this project works um and they implemented it across the state they could save an estimated 63 billion gallons of water annually that's a lot which is right which is a lot as well as save on uh, energy costs so i think it's a great idea i the, the only thing i Wondered about this, but I, I wonder about it overall with us. I remember growing up as a kid, solar was a big deal around the Carter administration. And it never really took hold. A couple of hippie families in Connecticut put up the panels, right? But that was about it. And I, I just wonder why some of these things haven't happened sooner. But I think it's because <laughs> petroleum was so cheap, right? Uh, it's two things. You know, um, we had a, a share, an annual shareholder meeting for our co-op back in uh, June, and uh, this came up a lot. It was a Zoom thing, and people could put questions in the chat. And about six times, questions came in, can we put solar panels on the roof of the building? Because we get sunlight all day in this building right. to reduce our electricity consumption building-wide. And the answer is yes, you can, but the result will be negligible, and it has to do with technology. So 
photovoltaic cells, a solar cell that directly converts the sun's rays into electricity. They have they have yet to crack the efficiency barrier on this one. So let's say solar cells started out in the Carter administration at a 4% conversion. You know, so the 4% right. of the sun's energy. I think they may be up to about 12 to 14% right now. And I'm probably misspeaking. I don't mean to, but I'm, what my point is we're not making leaps and bounds. If you got a solar cell up to 80% of the sun's rays are converted to electricity on that one little solar cell, oh my God, it would be a game changer. It would it over and, and the stuff that we had as kids, I know what you're talking about. Remember, there was the other system you could put on your house where you heated your hot water. Yeah, remember it was a thing where all the tubes went through and you Leaf had that. Leaf's family had that's, that. They <laughs> filled in their old swimming pool with peat moss. And- that's what I was thinking. I was thinking of, of, of the Arnesons. And um, so it, they, were, they were limited in capacity. They couldn't really generate that much. Obviously, now we have a little better of a conversion thing. But when that magical moment happens, when scientists can figure out how to convert a vast greater majority of the sun's rays hitting one of these photovoltaics to directly to electricity, it's going to be a complete game changer. I guess it's just because of the sheer number of units you must have. Because I wonder of all these houses, there's a, there's a neighbor here that put in solar panel. Uh, solar panels and she gets a $300 check every i don't know every quarter every month or whatever from the electricity company. Yeah, so she's putting back into the grid. That means that she's not using all the right. electricity that she is creating. So she's able to generate it but it may be cuz she's just one person. Correct. Guess, and is Her able household to... may not use that much. Right. Yeah. So a building like yours that might have x amount of units the economies of scale aren't there as what you're Correct. Saying. Absolutely. And uh it has to do with the percentage of open roof space, the times of day the sun hits, the whole bit. You know, upstate, we see a lot more solar farms. We went by one the other day. I was like, wow, that used to be an orchard or something. And now it's this enormous, you know, and it doesn't look ugly. It just, you're like, oh, it's a solar farm. That's the scale that they need. They need to cover acres of this stuff. And that's why the canal project is kind of interesting because they estimate that it would generate annually 13 gigawatts of solar power, which is not not a bad thing. So I just that that was a fun one, and I think that I like these in in I like these non traditional ways of thinking about things. Like no one ever thought, well, why would you cover the canal? And so I was like, well, two reasons: evaporation, we can collect, we can make electricity. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I yeah, that's a good one. And the last one, last article uh, that we're going to talk about is someone did in fact win the one point three four billion dollar Mega Millions prize, but they have yet to claim it, and this is not actually that unusual um so the lottery ticket was purchased at a store in arlington virginia and uh the winner has i believe is it um a month to come forward no so this was confusing or a year they they showed a picture of arlington virginia ticket but it this it actually happened in illinois illinois okay sorry yeah no no that's okay but yeah you have a year to claim your prize it's a year not 30 days okay and my big question on this was, well, if, I, if, if you had won this $1.34 billion, what would you have done? Would you have claimed it right away, or what, would, what steps would you take? You know who I would have called? I would have called Lee Miller. <laughs> <laughs> and Tim's smiling because uh, Lee, Lee's a good friend, and Lee, Lee's like my, you know, my surrogate dad. He's also an, uh, my attorney. And you know, I just Lee, think, oh boy, shut your phone off. Here you go, Lee. John, old John, old boy. Yeah, John, my boy. That's it, John, my boy. And when Lee would say something like that, like if he, if you had my boy in there, then you know he's talking to you not only as your attorney but also as like a parent figure. 
I've just read that people's lives get turned upside down right. by this. And I think that if you have a year to claim it, you might as well set up all your ducks, right? You might as well figure out how you're going to handle the taxation issues. Do you want to move after you've claimed your prize, right? Because once you're, and don't they, ha they, they give you the option of being public or private when you accept one of your. Right, right. And, and if somebody does find out, I mean, everyone always says you should um, change your phone number or at least get another, set up another phone so that when it does hit, because I guess everyone comes out of the woodwork. And now with Ancestry, you probably have a lot of relatives that will come out of the woodwork looking for a handout. Uh-huh. But, uh, <laughs> But yeah, I guess you would wait and then try to figure out. And the fact that it's just one person and, and they have 90 days to claim it. Otherwise, it reverts. To, you don't have the option of the annuity over 20 years. You have to take the lump sum, which is $734 million. I think I would do that. Um, I'd but, take the lump sum. I yeah. wouldn't even bother. Like, who yeah. cares about the taxes at that point? You can't even spend what you have left, right? Right. But they, they sent this. This article came out because they want to make sure they're, they're telling people to check their tickets again because they, they think this is a little longer than, than usual. And if somebody doesn't claim it by next July, they said the money goes back to uh, the state lottery. So it goes back to the state lotteries. But I was wondering, what are they going to do with it then? Like, what will the state lotteries do with $1.34 Are they going to... Does it go into operational expenses, you think? I don't know. That's a lot of money. Right. It is, it is, but these lotteries, I mean, the statewide, I mean, you figure they employ people, they got to do all the machines, they have the tickets, there's But I'm the... thinking, does it get forfeited to, because I know in Pennsylvania, the, the proceeds or the profits go to uh, elderly and mm. seniors. So I thought, you know, why don't, there should be, I would think, some stipulation that says this would go towards public education or this would go toward the, you know, seniors or whatever. I just thought it should be used somehow but <laughs> it should be used for buying all the books that the republicans want banned truckloads of lgbtq but i know in many states it goes to education yeah. um at least the proceeds not necessarily the winnings so yeah it's an interesting one i i would love to win i have a whole laundry list of things i would do but i would love to win I agree. I didn't with even you. buy a ticket last time, did you? I didn't no, know. you know, you, I just go online and type in as the number that you can actually find some stat sites that will tell you the odds of winning. And we had just, one in three hundred and twelve million, so essentially one in every person in the country. <laughs> you, yeah, it, it's you would have been astronomical. But someone did win, right? Someone I, I did will win. say there was about um, maybe it was before the uh, before COVID came. It was 2018 or 2017. We had a huge jackpot here in New York State. Um, I forget how big it was, but I remember the craze for tickets. And I went to a, <laughs> I was at the library one day and I went to this newsstand that was, there was a line about seven deep. And I said to this woman in front of me, I've never done this before. How does it work? She goes, oh, I'll, I'll show you. So you have to get your little, you get a little thing and a little pencil and you fill in your, your numbers. And she says, she goes, you should do multiples. If you have a set of numbers, you should, you know. <laughs> And the amount of tickets this booth was selling was astronomical. And I finally said to the woman who helped me out, because we finished around the same time, handed it in, and got our receipts. And I said, you know, she goes, oh, we don't have any chance of winning. But wasn't that fun? So it wasn't the dream fun for like a, a minute or two. And I'm like, You're thinking yeah. about what you would do with the coin. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't that fun? Like, yeah. Okay. And I'm out like 10 bucks, but whatever. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a gist of it. Well, that's that was a good story. I'm glad I, I saw that one as well. So I'm glad that uh, that made it into to caught my eye. Mr. Nash, remind everybody again about Criterion Month, which is coming up. Yeah, so stay tuned in September uh, on uh, TFG Button and our main show, The Focus Group. We're going to be doing Criterion Collection Month, and that's where you 
Guess the uh, the movie that an audio clip I select comes from. And you send us the right answer. You're going to get a movie. I mean, over not the everybody, 15 but... years, I think I've gotten two clips. You have, and they've always been surprising. Yes. <laughs> so thanks for joining us, and be sure to catch the Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash every Wednesday with our audio feed on Saturday. Find out all about us and our sponsors at focusgroupradio.com. We hope you all have a good end to the summer, and we'll see you uh, in September. Take care. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Available every Tuesday. Learn more about Tim and John, Unbuttoned, and all of the Focus Group platforms at focusgroupradio.com.